and socket. And ON2, the all-news radio station on the Internet. This is news from the ON Newsroom. The long recession may officially be over, but people are still struggling. So said President Obama at a town hall-style meeting today on CNBC. Obama said the economic hole was so deep that a lot of people are still hurting. The president also rejected accusations he's anti-business and defended his sweeping Wall Street reforms. Let's look at the track record here. When I came into office, businesses, uh, some of the same commentators, who are on CNBC uh, were crying, do something, because as a consequence of reckless decisions that had been made, the economy was on the verge of collapse. The Federal Reserve will meet Tuesday and what will be its last gathering before the nation's November elections. The members of the Federal Open Market Committee will consider whether the U.S. needs more economic stimulus and whether to take additional steps toward monetary easing. The man suspected of killing the 23-year-old daughter of a North Carolina police chief has been arrested in Niagara Falls, New York. The U.S. Marshal's Office confirms that Convicted sex offender Michael Neal Harvey has been taken into custody for the murder of Valerie Hamilton. I'm Bill Meir. It's coming again. The 6th Annual Sun Splash Christian Music and Arts Festival. Live music all day long. Free food. Terrific activities for the kids. A free raffle. A bouncer. Cotton candy. Popcorn. And on and on it goes. Last year, hundreds of your neighbors made it out to Sun Splash. And this year promises to be better than ever. Live bands will set the beat for a day of celebration, fun, and meeting new friends. You'll not want to miss Sunsplash 2010. The 6th Annual Sunsplash Christian Music and Arts Festival this Saturday, September 25th, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. at River Island Park off Vernon Street in Woonsocket. Sunsplash is brought to you by Harvest Community Church and is co-sponsored by the Woonsocket Prevention Coalition. Call 766-1777 for more information. We're going to have a ball, but it won't be the same without you. So join us. Mark your calendar for this Saturday, September 25th, and we'll see you at Sunsplash. Rain date, October 2nd. Stop by 43 Farm Street Blackstone for Diane's Barber Stylist. Diane is just a quarter of a mile down from the roast house. Diane can brighten your day with a new hairstyle and a new look with class. Remember, Diane's Barber Stylist, 43 Farm Street Blackstone. Diane will make you look your best with a great haircut and style that's just for you. Walk-ins are always welcome, and Diane offers great haircuts for men, women, and children. Remember, all senior citizen men only pay $10 for a haircut. That's right, just $10 for senior men. So stop by or just give us a call, 508-883-9917. Diane's Barber Stylist. I'm not comfortable with this. I think Jason should go to college now. I don't want him putting this off. He's already talked to a recruiter. Could you just talk some sense into it? I understand, but I think if you just listen to him, you'll see his decision makes a whole lot of sense. He wants to go to college right now, but he also wants to serve. That's why he's been talking to a National Guard recruiter. The National Guard gives young men and women the unique opportunity to serve their country and communities part-time while they attend college. You know, we've also got to figure out how we're going to pay for all this. The way things are these days, tuition, room and board, they're through the roof. And with our finances... No, 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 honey, don't worry, don't don't worry. He's worked that out with the Guard recruiter, too. Plus, with the National Guard scholarship and other financial benefits, college students can graduate debt-free. Get to know what serving in the National Guard can do for your son or daughter. Visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Rhode Island National Guard. Aired by the Rhode Island Broadcasters Association and this station. 
Now in the Woonsocket Call, expanded sports section that now covers all high school and local sports in the Blackstone Valley. Community event calendar in both news and sports sections. More local pictures from both our photographers and supplied by our readers. New sections every day, including Blackstone Valley Business on Monday, Health on Wednesday, Expanded Entertainment on Thursday, Blackstone Valley Auto on Friday, Blackstone Valley Homes, the must-read section for anyone who's thinking of buying or selling or owning a home on Saturday and your money on Sunday. Sunday's full package includes TV book, comics, USA Weekend magazine, money-saving coupons, and tons of shopping inserts. Get the call today. Step right this way to see Vidbill's old-time circus coming to Cumberland St. John Vianney Church Lot on Thursday, September 30th for shows at 5 and 7.30 p.m. This is a great show under the big top that your kids will love. Advanced tickets are only $8. Kids 2 and under are admitted free with a paying adult. Tickets are now on sale in Cumberland at Siabra and Dave Supermarkets and the Valley Breeze office. Here in Woonsocket, you can get your tickets at this fine radio station. For more circus information, visit valleybreeze.com. This ON 1240 forecast is sponsored by Chan's Fine Oriental Dining, 267 Main Street in Woonsocket. For takeouts, call 765-1900. Tonight, clear with a low around 42. Tuesday's forecast, sunny with a high near 71. Tuesday night, mostly clear with a low around 55. For Wednesday, sunny with a high near 82 degrees. A slight chance of showers Wednesday night. Partly cloudy with a low around 60. Sunshine for Thursday with a high near 73. Thursday night, Friday and Friday night, a 30% chance of showers. Saturday and Sunday, partly sunny. With high temperatures on Saturday near 73, on Sunday near 64. Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Do people ever really die? Do the houses they build echo with their presence long after they're gone? Are they gone? Hey, and welcome to the 174th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benino. I'm Ben, and opening the show for us today was my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Uh, Tammy Tavares from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, got the answer to the last week's question, uh, which was a local one. What road in Cumberland, Rhode Island, is haunted by the so-called faceless ghost? The answer, Reservoir Road. I've actually talked with people who claim to have seen that ghost. Uh, other people who live right on the road never heard of the guy, so who knows? All right, so uh, this week's question is, in what U.S. state does Sinkhole Sam live? And be the first to get it right and win a copy of Abandoned Villages and Ghost Towns of New England by our guest, Tom D'Agostino. So call us locally at 401-766-1240 or nationally at... 449-800-449-1240. And, well, if no one gets at the end of the show, drop a line to me at Ben at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, Thomas D'Agostino and Arlene Nicholson are a husband and wife paranormal and authorship team. Unfortunately, Arlene isn't with us tonight. Uh, there are several bios around, but the one I like best is on their MySpace page. Tell me if it's outdated, because half the time I'm doing these things and they are. Quote, we have been adventuring and investigating paranormal phenomena for 25 years. Our journeys throughout New England are akin to those of Hawthorne, Lovecraft, Thoreau, uh, as Snow, Thaxter, and other such great literary legends. 
We have appreciated everyone who has enjoyed our books. As paranormal investigators, we have created a coalition of the best ghost hunters in the region. Check us out at shifferbooks.com, Barnes & Noble, Borders, Amazon.com. Tom and Arlene have cooperated on a number of books, including Haunted Rhode Island, Haunted Massachusetts, Haunted New Hampshire, and Abandoned Villages and Ghost Towns of New England that Ben just mentioned. Tom is also a frequent contributor to Fate Magazine. Speaking as a professional journalist and semi-professional historian, Tom and Arlene are excellent writers, in my opinion, very good speakers, and pretty darn good historians. Uh, they live in one of my favorite towns, Putnam, Connecticut, right near the infamous Pomfret, right? Yep. Where my first case occurred. Yep, there they are. Anyway, as we talk with Tom and Arlene today, please feel free to join the discussion. Call us at 401-766-1240 or nationally 800-449-1240. So, Tom, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thanks. It's great to be here again. This is awesome. So, uh, yeah, well, take it away, Ben. Well, I was going to. I <laughs> plan on it. All right, so... I have to be the ringmaster here, so... You don't have a hat, so don't get... No. Yeah. All right, so uh, what cases have you been working on lately? Well, we've been doing actually a lot of private investigations uh, with some homes in and around the Putnam, Thompson, Pomfret area, and we did Ramtail again. We went back to Ramtail and did some more research on that to find some great stuff. We went to Barahack again in August, right. and uh, we also did a place called the Victorian in Gardner, Mass., which is very haunted. Okay. Could I ask you to just give us... We have listeners from all over the universe here, so could you tell... <laughs> even a bunch of greys, I'm told, listen to the show faithfully. Uh-huh. Could you tell us oh. what the Ramtail case is all about, for those who might not know it? In 1822... Um, a man named Peleg Walker, who was a partner of the Ramtail factory, a Forster woolen manufactory in Forster, Rhode Island, was found hanged. He committed, uh, allegedly committed suicide by hanging himself from the bell rope. And after that, it was after an argument where he was ousted from the partnership. After that, he haunted the factory by ringing the bell until they removed the bell. Then he made the factory run full tilt a few times, once with the water wheel turning opposite the Pontiacanza River, until everyone fled this little mill village that the factory uh, was adjacent to and he was credited to actually causing the factory to go out of business later the mill burned in 1873 but his ghost is still seen roaming the area okay and there's even the road named Ramtail Road Ramtail Road yeah, that's yes. right yeah yeah one time I when I was editor of the um the uh, the Observer, the local weekly paper out there, uh, I posed for a Halloween picture in that cemetery, dressed in a sheet with my glasses right over the sheet, reading the Ramtail story. Uh, you weren't uh, this is probably you weren't writing yet, so you didn't write the book I was reading. But uh, that, that's that was my only involvement with Ramtail. I've never never been there, never investigated. Oh so, yeah, it's quite an interesting place. Very much so, and Barahack as well. That that's that was this this uh, village of voices case that I wrote about in my 1998 book Faces at the Window and uh, lots of people have gone there uh, I'm very pleased to say that, that you and Arlene are one of the, are among the few people who actually get permission from the landowner to go there something yeah. I'm very stressed very much when we went in 1971 and 72 that sort of formality was not really required things were more seat of the pants in those days so tell us um, I guess a lot of the listeners who've read anything I've written about it, know what I found there. What did you find there? Well, when we one time when we went, we were uh, out in the cemetery, and uh, we heard what would sounded like actually a horse and wagon coming by, and I figured it may be the 4-H people coming down the trail. That's what I thought. 
when I heard the same thing. Yes, yeah, so yeah. we stood outside with my friend Bob, and I said, well, just tell him that, you know, we, we're, we're here, we're not doing any harm and everything, and, uh, you know, three grown people, we're not going to cause any trouble. We're just uh, looking at history. And we stood there, and we heard this horse and wagon go by. Mm-hmm. With no horse and wagon. Yeah, just, just like we did yeah. uh, with 20 years before or so. And my friend work. goes, I think it's time to leave. And I said, you can head that way. I'm going to wait a few minutes. <laughs> well, we sort of stood there, and all of a sudden, this big, fat porcupine came wandering out of the trail that goes up to the cemetery, and that kind of woke us up. Oh, yeah. And we said, did we? Did you hear? Because we had seven witnesses to that at one time, oh, all standing yeah. in different places. Yeah, we heard voices and things like that, too. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm later, we charted out. They, you'd have to really, really, I mean, there was nobody in those woods. It's sparse. You can see. We really, we, we in 71, We first thing we did was map the place out. And we walked in there, and, and we didn't. We were seminary students, except for one of us who was a photo expert. We didn't know what to expect. You know, we didn't know anything about this. And it, this was not a popular pastime in those days. Yeah. And we'd walk in, and you could hear the, the dogs cows, people talking. It was um, really quite a shock. And one odd thing we noticed, it was a hot, hot August afternoon. And there were no bugs. Usually you'd be eaten alive by all the mosquitoes and stuff. But there nothing. No birds. Of course, on a hot afternoon, they usually don't sing anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it was just a very, very strange place. So Very still, yeah. Very still, yeah. Especially when something's going to happen, because we've been there, I've been there like maybe 14 times now. Mm -hmm. And one morning, Arlene and I went there, and we walked in, and I was pensive. I didn't tell her about it, because she could see she was nervous. Her eyes were the size of half dollars. And uh, we walked through the place. She took some quick pictures of the cemetery and wanted out, and she said the whole place was alive. Yeah. Just was alive. And it is. And at that day, there wasn't a bird, a bug, or anything. Mm -hmm. And the last time we went, and it was birds chirping and everything, it felt like yeah. if you were just going to a nice little sunny picnic. It depends on when and where you're there. Mm -hmm. Now, Ben grew up with stories of this place, and, and we've, we've never had a chance to go, and it's not that far away from here, so hope maybe we can go together sometime. Yeah, sure. That'd be cool. <laughs> All right, so you said you're working on some... Now, private cases, now that's mostly what we do, sort of a clinical approach to this. See, see, I've been at this for so long, I don't need any more proof that the paranormal exists. I mean, you have to be a fool to think it doesn't. Everybody before us knew it, it does. And But, you know, I respect anybody who has to satisfy themselves today. That's fine. You know, I don't criticize others. But anyway, even though I call them fools just now. But anyway, I think that it's, it's very important to uh, uh, have a certain approach. And, and Ben and I... Uh, very uncharacteristically have been looking into a case with a group uh, who invited us to come. I know one of them, uh, wonderful folks, and uh, we're just, we, we'll have something to say about that as time goes by. But it's very important, I think, to, when you win on cases, uh, if, if you choose to, and I don't suggest people even get involved in this, pay attention to the people in there. You know, uh, our approach is clinical. The phenomena, that's fine, record it, get EVPs, whatever. But, People very often are suffering. People very often who live in this situation are the food supply, in our opinion. And that's what has to be dealt with. You don't want to put a Band-Aid on a, a case of uh, melanoma. You, know, you, want, you want to get to the roots and deal with it. And that's our opinion anyway. So, so uh, can you tell us much about what uh, sort of private clinical cases you're working on right now? Yeah, some of them are mostly, uh, they are old houses, believe it or not, that have lingering uh, essences or energy. And uh, one of them, a person is actually being woken up in the night by a woman 
and uh, she'll see. She'll wake up, and the woman will be standing there. The woman will be in this room. The uh, woman. Uh, they, they had a lot of animals that they kept in a certain room that they use as a clinical room for hospital, and that's where this woman seems to reside. And we were doing one thing with my wife and uh, another investigator we took with us was uh, just playing with a cat, and you could get. We got some EVPs, whatever it was, saying stop, no, go. Hmm. And we wasn't too happy that they were playing with the cat with the uh, the uh, laser beam there. <laughs> I thought you were going to fry the cat. All right. Well, we, uh, so uh, well, you brought some. Uh, ben, did you have any further questions? I know we were going to uh, hoping Eileen would be here. We we're going to ask how you work together as a, a, a media man and investigator because a lot that, that's that's becoming more accepted. I guess for a long time. Yeah, we do. Actually, we've done something that because uh, uh, you can have all the machines in the world and. I mean, with today's radio waves and everything, you know, you're picking up. We use it just to kind of rule things out. Yeah, it's sort of what, yeah, exactly. And, but Arlene being, uh, she is very gifted at the cards mm-hmm. and the dowsing rods, which uh, my hands are not that steady. I'm Italian. And if you, do, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but hers are very steady. And uh, we use the dowsing rods to kind of pinpoint energy, maybe just to field questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, she uses the cards because nobody, I mean, you can go with an EMF meter and say, oh, you know, um, some Victorian person, whatever, from the 1800s and tell them, uh, can you make that meter move? Now, if they were alive, they would just transport it to this moment. They're going, what are you talking about? Exactly. But everybody knows the cards. Everybody knows about the tarot cards in some way or another. Interesting. And yeah. so she does readings. And we've had this weird thing in every single investigation we've done. The same cards have come up from room to room in that particular place. Like the Victorians, uh, we didn't know this at the time, but uh, we went into four rooms and did a reading, and the, the two, uh, two brothers, we kept getting to sing, two, uh, two sons, one was a handful and one was very well disciplined and everything, come to find out that one went to Yale and the other lost the house in a card game. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go with the cards. Uh, ben, do you have any, uh, any questions on this? I mean, I know that you, you go in, you, you're, you sort of fill that role in our two-man team here. I, in a way, not cards, but well, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, the you, um, you seem to be just uh, just do your, just do your thing. Right? Well, yeah, I, I, I guess do the, I do the tape recordings and the you know, yeah, I, I do the talking mostly. You can imagine. Yeah, yeah. We don't yeah. ask too yeah. many questions. Yeah, we don't ask too many questions. We do ask some questions, but yeah. a lot of times we talk like we're talking now. Because would you want to hear twenty minutes of questions being batted at you? Well, of course not. <laughs> well, there, whatever, well, we have. We'll get when we get to the emails. Uh, there's a funny one here about about that kind of communication. But uh, of course, naturally, uh, I've always had doubts about communication. You know, what is it you're talking to? Are you talking to yourself or something else? And if mm. it says anything, is it true or not? You know, I'm suspicious that way. Maybe it's thirty years in newspaper journalism. I don't know, but uh, it was the use of of cards is interesting because compared with the use of Ouija boards and seances, the cards don't seem, at least in my experience, don't seem to create the problems that you are, that are often associated, and rightly so in my experience, with Ouija boards and seances. Right. Why do you think that is? Because they're only reading what is a Ouija board. You're trying to summon Okay. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, that and makes sense. is just saying, okay, here I see, you know, this is a person. Ah, you are the queen of cups or something. Ah, there's a woman here that's in charge. Mm-hmm. It's not saying, you in charge. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, it's well put. Yeah, I mean, that, that does make sense because those those particular practices, and I like to think that I, I 
the Warrens used to, Ed Lorraine Warren, very well known, uh, probably the first pioneer, popular paranormal investigators of the starting in the 1950s. Um, I worked with them in the 70s for a while, and they used to use because Lorraine was a was a, a light trance medium, I'm, still is, I'm, I'm sure, um, out of contact for 30 years, but she would go into and they originally would do seances at least this is what they told me and stuff and they said funny you should explain it the way you do Paul because sometimes it gets worse the, the phenomena and things would not tell you the truth and they would not be who they said they were or what they said they were and I like to think that maybe I had some influence in discontinuing their use of seances but uh, I don't remember Lorraine using the cards very much but it does seem to be a much more benign uh, practice for probably the very reasons you said. So you brought some EVPs. Yes, I did. And uh, why don't we uh, t- take a look? And you guys, know, Ben and I kind of have a pillar of salt we take with some of these things, but some of them really are very striking. And of all the people we know, uh, you seem to be the mo- one of the most, certainly the most credible when it comes to these things. And you have a healthy skepticism, which we respect. So Yeah, I, I rip right through them. If I think they're even subject to like the slightest discrepancies, I'm like, yeah. oh, no, get rid of it. I like a class A, which is you know pretty much audible, mm-hmm. and um, and any B or C, you know, it, it could be anything. People coughing. Someone, like I said, yeah. many people. We got one one time, and I'm like, wow, did you hear that? I'm like, oh my god, like, this is, a, and I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. And all it was was later on, someone told me because we synchronized our tape recorders. He goes, no, I I was uh, moving a chair upstairs, and I was asking this question at the same time, and it, <laughs> we got it was sounded like a groan and a howl. Oh yeah, fit the question. <laughs> It was the guy sliding a chair upstairs by accident and even said, oh, Tom's going to get an EVP down there. Yep. We've had that happen with photography, not not to delay this, but I remember, Ben, when you were using the uh, uh, video camera the first time we had one on a case. Oh, that. Yeah, that let's was... Let's never uh, do that ever again. No. Uh, but anyway, we, we went back and checked and it turned out it was something uh, not what we thought it was. Right. Yeah, we get a lot of those. We, that's what I mean. We we get this one right here was done at the Victorian in Gardner. And incidentally, the Victorian is um, was uh, sold, and the new people who bought it are going to be doing tours through it and inviting paranormal groups to come and stay and everything. It's a 26 room house, and it's got several ghosts. One of them was a Portuguese immigrant named Nino Sari who drank moonshine and smoked in, when it was a boarding house. And in 1963, he did both at the same time and spontaneously combusted. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, when the fire t- uh, company came, I think his grandson was on the fire department a few hundred yards down the road. The only thing that would, had burned was him. Hmm. But in the common room, it would be outside of the halls of his room and everything, there was a common hall. He, uh, that's where he used to sit and drink. He, and, and he'd say porteo, which is means uh, to you or for you as a salute before he'd take a sip of his moonshine to the people. And so Mark, the previous owner, was telling us this, and this is what we got. This is a loud one, so you're going to be careful. But uh, Portuguese men, and uh, for, uh, good luck in Portuguese, of course, Portel, respond to Yeah, so it's very clear. You want me to play it again or go to another one? Yeah, okay, go ahead. Again. Uh, 
Now, the interesting thing about that EVP is that we didn't expect we got that. I was interviewing Mark for the book, Haunted Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and I was using a tape recorder we bought for a dollar, a cassette tape recorder at a yard sale, and I figured, I'll just use that. I didn't listen to that for three weeks later. That's when we heard it when mm-hmm. I was sitting in bed. And that was right in the room where he had passed away. Let, let me ask you the some of the strange questions we ask on this show. I mean, why why is it whispered? It sounds like it's whispered. Right. And the, which is not the way he would have toasted someone. I, I should I should have right. thought. That's the thing. I, um, well, if I had an answer to that, boy, would we all be famous. <laughs> <laughs> but the best I can figure is because um, it's electrical in nature and not acoustic, that it's coming through. I guess whatever the recorder can um, grab, you know, from the ferrous oxide or chromium dioxide. Mm-hmm. And or digital recorders, you know, through the quartz crystals. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems that all EVPs are like that, though. And and I've very rarely have I ever gotten an EVP with a solid voice, like hey, you know. Yeah. But some of them just like that. I don't know. I don't know if you heard our show with Phil and Brogno. Phil is a good friend of ours. He's a chemist, and he's also a, he's primarily a UFO expert, but he's into all areas of the paranormal and does EVPs and things. He has very, very sophisticated equipment. He works with Rosemary Ellen Guiley and sort of the, this would be called the first lady of the paranormal, very well-known investigator. And together, they've done some research on EVPs, and he's found two different tracks. And he, he tends to agree with our point of view that these people are alive in parallel worlds and not spirits. Uh, hence the ability to use vocal cords and things. I mean, that's his idea, right. too. So you got two different tracks. And he said that this is there's a you pick them up on the AM band because uh, and there was a reason for it and I said well does that mean that the guy on the other side has an AM transmitter I mean <laughs> and he really couldn't answer me but I, I mean no, nobody really knows about this stuff but he has gotten to the point where he finds these these things come across invariably in his opinion in two different tracks um, indicating. There's an experiment in quantum physics called the Elaine Aspect Experiment, and it supposedly proves the existence of parallel worlds because the light comes from two different places, and just by the nature of the uh-huh. photons. Um, so he thinks this indicates. But, but I mean, then again, so what? I mean, what, that doesn't explain right. really I, I, how I, the mechanics work. I, um, I tend to think it could be also that best energy they can muster up as a whisper. Well, do you think it's, it's even it's even um, that that's that's possible too? Do you mm. think it's even intentional? A lot of times, we'll you know in poltergeist cases, like the time I got hit by a TV set or all this stuff, I just got the impression that was not intentional, except once there was one real, real nasty one, one time, and that thing was after me. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, a lot of fun, huh? But, oh, it's a riot. <laughs> but generally. I wonder if it's entities doing it deliberately or if it's just the energies around the entities creating it. Like when you run down the hallway, if you're in a hurry, and papers blow off a desk, you didn't do that deliberately. It's just the, the wind you created in your movement. Right. Well, this one we were talking about the what Porteo meant, and we mm. got that. So that was pretty yeah. cool. So it's, like, it's almost like the connection with what you were talking about. Right. It was almost like a, a, a mimic, a mock. Yeah. And this next one, um, I'll play it. This is at the John York House in Connecticut. And it tells Arlene to shut the door. Now, okay. Arlene's talking. Was my wife there? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I would, it would have been me more. I was like, well, anyway, yeah. Arlene talking. And, and so this one may be, like you said, a disconnected one. It's just could all of a sudden wear energy, and energy happens because we just drew it. Mm-hmm. Because it, it doesn't, doesn't How many people cause here? it.
Was that a bird in the background? Like a parakeet? Or How many people no. live here? This house is empty. Did you? I, I heard the the, the the sort of impact. Yeah, that's yeah. Aline walking. Okay. And then there's some weird thing, and then it says shut the door. But I didn't hear Aline. shut the door. I heard a parakeet. Oh no! <laughs> it's me. I don't know. The, the, the house was actually empty. It was bought by a guy, and he said, oh, I don't know what to do with it yet. Um, you're welcome to come in. It's yeah. only electricity in one or two rooms, and it's empty, but you can go in and do an investigation, and there's Arlene and I in that room. Mm -hmm. And we also got that on the video camera, although we didn't get the, uh, um, you know, the, any physical thing. And the same thing, this one tells me to go away. Same house. Did you build this house? Yeah, that's pretty clear. Yeah. People have suggested, and mm -hmm. I, I, I tend to be sympathetic toward this possible explanation, that if um, if they if they are experiencing us the way we're experiencing them, that's, quote, as ghosts, and they don't really understand, then th this is stuff I would say. You know, if, if, if it was my house and I heard the footsteps and somebody was intruding and somebody came in and was... Maybe even asking questions I couldn't quite hear it, or or the guy in the ox cart like comes driving through the living room. That's what yeah. I'd say. Get out, you know. Right. What are you doing? Because that sometimes works. You know, people just say knock it off, and that stuff will calm down for a while. They don't do it in anger. Right. Well, uh, whatever that so was, I said go away. Maybe just didn't want us there. Well, well, yeah. Well, that that's true too. <laughs> sure. This one uh, we got at the tavern on me. This is a very interesting one because this was during a, a dinner. And the woman, you'll see, I'm, I'm inside the bathroom with this little boy you've seen around this bathroom and everything. And I'm standing on the outside of the door, and her and another lady are inside the bathroom. The door's open, and we're all standing around. And um, she wants to have whatever it is she's telling the little boy, can you knock so we can hear you? Now, what's the funny thing is you'll see that at the same time the EMF meter goes off uh, when you hear okay. the voice, yeah. which is interesting. Can you bang something or knock something? Oh, okay. That, yeah, the meter. Okay. EMF. Is that your EMF? I think it was. Like a yes, low. Spike. Spike. Hmm. Wow. Well, there's some opinion that the investigators unconsciously caused that themselves, but I mean, who mm. knows? EMF, by the way, is electromagnetic field, and th that's uh, something that a lot of investigators have um, lit upon as a possible indication for the presence of entities. I mean, personally, I, I don't put a lot of stock in it because it can be affected by anything within miles, uh, any sort of uh, micro uh, microwave tower or anything like that. However... We, we do find, and I, we had a discussion about this with, with somebody on Saturday. Oh, yeah. That when it goes into the negative range, if you have a digital one, yeah. and, and the, the milligauss reading goes into the negative range, I have actually followed electromagnetic fields, which, which, which surround electric currents. Anything that creates an electric current will have an electrical field. And I've actually followed them down hallways. They have shape. And when the polarity on the field reverses and the, the, the meter goes into the negative range, that's when I found interesting things start to happen. And in my opinion, you're pumping energy between two worlds or entities. Oh, yeah, yeah. And these things, sometimes I've seen ones that seem to literally, for lack of a better term, ride these fields from world to world where they feed or whatever they do. Because we're, we don't seem to be 
consciously transdimensional beings ourselves, although we are, but not, not really with our consciousness. And if, if we do so with our consciousness, we're often labeled as schizophrenics and locked up, or at least they used to be. So anyway, uh, whatever is happening here, uh, that seemed to be... That, that, my point is to explain the, the uh, EM field. Uh, when people yeah. say EMF meters, I've sat through entire seminars with people who were talking about EMF meters and never said what EMF stood for. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway. But you heard the thing saying knock, knock. Yeah. Which is quite awesome because it, when the lady said, oh, the EMF meter went off and all that, I'm going, hmm, maybe something happened. That's it. You know, well, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back <laughs> with some more EMFs here with uh, on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benino on WON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com. And uh, we'll continue with our guest, Tom D'Agostino, uh, in just a moment. Uh, I guess we're doing a, uh, a live commercial here. I guess we're going to mention, uh, people often ask where they can get uh, my books. We'll be talking about Tom's books later on. Tom's written quite a few, I think more than me, maybe. And uh, <coughs> if you go online to our website, it's uh, behindtheparanormal.com, our show website, uh, or several others, newriverpress.com, the publisher. Uh, you can order these books. There are several that include things we talk about frequently on the show, some pretty remarkable cases, like Faces at the Window, published in 1998, which talks about this bear hat case in, in Connecticut. It's of particular interest for anyone in southern New England. also talks about the Bridgeport Poltergeist outbreak of 1974. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there's Fitz, uh, Footsteps in the Attic, which came out in uh, 2002 and uh, goes into some later cases. And then finally, in 06, there was uh, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, which is more of a philosophical interpretation of what the paranormal means for us. But there are case studies in there as well, including the uh, strange case I talked about on CBS last night, the, uh, the basement children of Ottawa, Canada in 1979, which was really strange, and things of that kind that illustrate some of the points I'm trying to make in the book. And I'm working on, still working on Dancing Past the Graveyard, What Ghosts Have to Say About God. So, and, that, uh, and uh, again, uh, BehindTheParanormal.com, NewRiverPress.com, Amazon.com, etc. You, uh, you can check those out. So, that's our commercial break for today. So, we're back with the, uh, our guest, uh, Tom D'Agostino, and uh, we have Ben here with us today. Hi. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben. You know, W-O-O-N, 1240 AM. Our call-in numbers, 401 locally. 401-766-1240 nationally 800-449-1240 call us up join our discussion if you've had ghost experiences of your own EVPs uh, electronic voice phenomena which we need to say what things stand for uh, check us out you know come on in and uh, join the discussion so let's get back to, uh, to some EVPs uh, these are things that are picked up on electronic devices that uh, seem to be uh, the traditional term is spirit voices or things of this kind, uh, various sounds. So take us through some more. Okay. Now, we have gotten at the Tavern on Main in Chipache, Rhode Island, intelligent EVPs, and uh, that's basically ones that actually answer your questions. They're not mm. just, I don't, you know, ask, what is your name? And then you hear something say, pizza, good, you know. <laughs> it's actually saying, you know, unless their name is pizza, good. But yeah. <laughs> but they actually answered questions, and, and we found that to be astounding. Mm. That energy could actually be intelligent like that, because there's another whole, you know, can of worms opened up. <laughs> Why mm -hmm. and how does that happen? But this is one, I asked Thomas Dorr, um, if he was here. The Thomas Door? The Thomas Door, because that was his headquarters. That's right. Uh, Thomas, oh, let me just say, as it's putting on my historian's hat, Thomas Door was the leader of 
what is commonly known as the Door Rebellion, where the Rhode Island state government was pretty much overthrown or attempted to be overthrown in the 1840s because they didn't let, let enough people vote. Um, very interesting historically and uh, was, a, was a, a fascinating Supreme Court case later on. The people literally, they took the principles of the revolution seriously enough so that they, they literally got together, elected their own governor and their own legislature, drafted their own constitution and sort of expected the establishment to kind of step aside in the spirit of the American Revolution. Well, they were they were a little too idealistic. So anyway, Thomas yeah. Wilson Dorr was the leader of that movement, in case you're wondering who he is. So. And um, yes, and of course, um, the next VVP I'll play after this, where it says, they want me, is also Dorr. Now, we think it is, because I'm addressing Thomas Dorr at this tavern, which was his headquarters. Mm-hmm. So if the, the answers we got could be him, or they could just be someone else playing a joke. <laughs> Thomas Dorr, are you here? Did you hear that one? I heard sort of a higher pitch voice. Yeah, like a here, I'm here. I'd have to look up what his voice sounded like. I don't know. Thomas Dorr, are you here? He was a... You know, I, I, There's I a higher pitch voice of a woman in the background. Oh. You hear that voice going, here, I'm here. Yeah. Like a, a I don't quite remember that far back. This one is a lesson in waiting no matter what happens... Uh, when you do EVPs, you ask a question and you wait 10, 15 seconds because you're not going to hear the answer because it's, it's electronic in nature. It's not acoustic. We, as humans, hear things acoustically mm. and we process it that way. These are electronic. So someone's asking me a question and then you're going to hear this, they want me, because I had just asked Thomas Doris, is there something we can do to help you? Uh, is, you know, wh- what is it, what's wrong, or whatever, something like that. And then I start speaking over the uh, EVP, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which was a good learning lesson. See, it's quickly says they want yeah. me, and I'm, that's me starting to talk. He did end up in jail. Oop. Yes, he did. He served some time in prison, and then uh, they let him out. Yeah. And he died a broken person and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. This one. Where it says, they want me. What if these people back in the day thought they were talking to God and they were just like saying their name? You know, that's a very interesting point. No, I mean, it kind of makes sense because it's like, Thomas Dore, are you there? They're like, God? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I can see that, yeah. That, that's know, possible. Anything's possible here. Yeah, I know, because until we can go to the other side, hang around for three, four months, and come back, we're just we're, we're grasping at straws. We're working at on angle. that. Yeah. We're working on that. You stay tuned for our TV show. Anyway. <laughs> I know, sometimes uh, I've woken up and felt like I've been to the other side of food. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what I've eaten the night before. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you think these EVPs are so short? They always seem to be short. And, and I think because we ask questions, and that's it. Well, Dorr was a politician. I mean, I can't imagine him answering anything. I mean, they weren't that different in those days than they are today. Right. Answering anything in two or three words. Right. There's um, there's a couple like like I um, I've I've been asked that many times, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's because we don't we just ask yeah. we don't you know, I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, perhaps it's like we just ask questions for answers. Yeah. Or maybe that's all they can muster up. It's like we get orbs or you get, um, you know, a light or you get a full-blown apparition. Mm-hmm. Is that because that's all the energy in the room that can be collected or gathered? Well, there's another theory, too. Ben and I have talked about this. Uh, maybe When these people are answering, they could be, wherever they are, in, in the dream state. 
You know, because in our dreams, we have lots of dialogues, all kinds of funny people and critters oh, and yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, and uh, do things that the physical laws would not usually apply here in the conscious world we're in. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's one possible... Ex- I mean, do, do you think that's... Ben got... Well, there's no such thing as truth. There's just good theories in this field. So well, that, that's right. That, that, that's, that's, uh, that's true. There's... Uh, they're just no real experts, just good theories. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, well, I don't, I, I don't want to burn up too much time. So why don't we do one more? And okay. I want to get to our emails. Um, I think I'm not sure. This one right here, it says "Now get out, please." I'm, this, is, this could be a longer one. I'm not sure if this was one that I kept because I wasn't sure. What I do is I get a lot of EVPs, and sometimes I'm not sure about them, so I'll keep them and let people hear them. Because once I hear something, that's it. Once you hear something, that's it. It sticks in your head. It's mm. like matrixing, and, and I can't get it out. <laughs> okay. So I'll, I don't know if this was one that... Let's see. Again, do you like us being here? And it seemed to say what I thought. It said, no, now get out, please. No, polite anyway. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, um, Again, do you like us being here? And see, I wasn't sure on that one, so I keep it, and just in case, and I want a lot of people to listen to them, and I'll send them to different people and say, what do you make of this? What do you hear? Do yeah. you hear anything? Is it, you know, and um, even though we've split them apart and everything, we get this, and I put them back the way they were. I'll take them yeah. down with my recording studio, and then we'll put them back natural so people don't think that we're messing with stuff. Well, oh, no, that's true. Well, I just, maybe I'm getting old or something the old years aren't what they used to be but I you know I just uh, a lot of these things I just can't hear now, somebody sent me one the other day and again I take EVPs with a pillar of salt anyway and, and I just I couldn't really um, make out anything but a little bit of music that they said was in the background and I, they almost made me feel guilty about it I said well, I don't know can't hear it I can't hear it know. you know what it is too is when we're when I'm taking and, and asking these EVPs, I know my surroundings and I know what's, what was there and what happened. And then you play it to someone else, they don't know that they're just hearing sound mm. from a little box or something. So what happens is a lot of times why I get rid of these EVPs of Class Bs and Cs is because I heard something there. But, you know, I'm not sure. I could tell somebody it was something. But if they don't hear it, then pretty much I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, it's got to come at you like a conversation. Well, and we've talked about this before, uh, and just for the sake of anyone who hasn't heard the story before, uh, during the Pomfret case, the Barahack Village of Voices case, we had uh, sort of the just the opposite happen. We, we could hear, with the naked ear, children. La- many, we heard the, the ox cart driving a bunch of other things, but the thing I'm thinking of most are these children. It was really weird, because they sounded like normal children, a group of normal children just laughing and playing. But the sound was moving very very rapidly up and down that brook you know that's below the site Mm -hmm. and it was it was like you know like a ping pong ball very very strange wow but we could it wouldn't record now again this is 1971 you know you see to the pants you still have reel-to-reel tape recorders practically (laughs) you know i mean but we had uh you know again a a photo expert with and and a recording technical guy wouldn't record we could, it was a very sensitive machine, but it wouldn't record that particular sound. Now, the odd thing about that, too, is uh, sound travels at 1,500 feet per second, and if mm-hmm. it's moving like that, 
That's kind of a strange phenomenon, huh? It was really strange. Uh, and I, There have been others who have been there who have heard children laughing, but I've never heard mm-hmm. it described the way we heard it. And again, we had seven witnesses. Yeah. But moving extreme, uh, we were, what is that, maybe those little steps, the stone steps, maybe 40, 50 feet away from that brook? Yeah. Up above there, and, you know, very strange. Wow. So, again, you know... Um, we don't know. What we do know is usually wrong. So well, we had we've gotten EVPs from our house and stuff, and you know we've heard stuff and even furniture moved the other day. I thought it was a cat knocking something off the big window sills mm-hmm. we have, and I heard it go. Yeah. And I'm like, uh oh, he's knocking something off. I'm just waiting for something to smash. <laughs> yeah. I go out into the hallway, and we have a chair that's near a phone table, and it's a certain place to sit down because if you move it, it scratches the floor. It was jammed under the phone table. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we, I suppose we. How do they move things? Yeah. I don't know. Well, again, it could be just energies. I mean, whether yeah. it's intentional or not, I don't know. Well, uh, okay, we haven't got much time left. I wanted to. Um, our conversations always go so we have so much fun. <laughs> it goes goes so fast. This uh, and again, we we read this on CBS last night, and I tried to answer it. Maybe, maybe um, uh, Tom has an answer uh, here for this. So this is from uh, Courtney Gerald in Seattle, Washington. Great. Um, reiterating from last night, a friend of mine recently died. And his daughter says she's already back as a ghost, but doesn't seem to know what she's doing. We get pictures of weird light, and that's all over the place. And at night, it sounds like she bangs into things when she's walking around. Do you think she's just, like, not, she's not used to being dead yet? Or does she know she's dead, or doesn't know she's dead? I mean, my comment was... This can't be somebody who listens to the show. These are not generally the terms or the concepts we use. However, maybe we're wrong. What do you think from the traditional standpoint? From a traditional standpoint, the only time classically we've ever heard of thing, you know, a spirit or energy bang into stuff, yeah. clumsy goes, yeah, yeah, is when furniture is rearranged. Yeah. Or when, like when you move into a house and you lay your furniture down, and maybe the energy is used to a certain pattern. And all of a sudden, bam, mm-hmm. there's a couch there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, it's kind of odd, isn't it? Very strange. Yeah, well, I tell you, we do get some, some really strange... I don't know, maybe people are making this stuff up, but I mean, they, they, these come across to me as very sincere when people ask these, these, they have these strange experiences. One thing, too, we've been getting a lot of reports like this uh, from the Pacific Northwest and the Ohio Valley, all right? And uh, Missouri area, and seismic stuff starts to come. You know, there's some theories that seismic activity in the ground can can stir up electromagnetic energies, which in turn can mess with space time. Mm. And I'm thinking of the uh, the New Madrid fault, which is very bad news. Should that ever go, that's that's down pretty much the center, the east eastern center of the country. Um, you got major cities in that area. There was a major quake there, uh, 1830s, was it, man? Yeah. And uh, serious, very serious problems. Uh, Pacific Northwest, you got the Ring of Fire, you know, mm-hmm. Pacific Rim. So that's one possibility here. Uh, what, you know, now, just, I, I just, again, the assumption, I'm always railing against assumptions. You got, okay, the woman died, a couple funny things happened. Aha, I know she's back as a ghost. But we don't right. know that. Right. You know, and, and I don't know any more about this than what she says. So Coincidences and things. Coincidence, you know. yeah. So I've asked her to kind of keep to keep in touch and send us more information uh, about it. And if she does... Uh, what we always do is say, get a tape recorder. They're cheap enough. And just yeah. start asking questions and um, see well, what you come up with. If you come up with anything. And, yeah. you know, just keep a monitor, check on things. And 
We well, that's a, we kind of differ on that because we personally, I, I don't encourage communication like that. I mean, if it's a loved one, to me, there's going to be a certain loving presence and everything. Else. You'll feel but it. as a researcher, I mean, I can see why why you do it. Yeah, and we, I, I'm even tempted to do it. But for the average, <laughs> average, uh, you know. Person, I I don't know if it's wise advice. That's my opinion, anyway. But well, especially again, if something is pretty, I uh, would say, uh, negative. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you, don't you, know, you never know what you're dealing with here. That's right. The thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, here's another one. This is from Carol W. on the other side of the country here in Danvers, Mass. Very. Um, so, can ghosts be hard of hearing? We have one. We ask questions to, and it seems like he can't hear very well. He answers by hitting on the wall three or four times instead of once for yes and twice for no. I just can't count. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This 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 is an old spiritualist technique. You know, the one for yes and the two. But I've actually seen it used. And again, what was answering or whether it was truthful, that's what I have doubts about. I don't know. But again, I would just say to, to Carol here, um, I would not. I, I don't agree with, with communicating. Or maybe you should try the tape recorder. You know, I mean, we can't vouch for what you get or whether you get anything, but that might be Tom's advice, not to speak for you. But well, we had a, we had what we I joked around as the abacus spirit in our old house, and that was multiple banging on the wall, and it would happen late at night, right behind our bed, and I got so sick of it, I'd bang back on the wall, <laughs> and what it was was the squirrels in there. There you go. <laughs> and yep. as they're running through, they're banging stuff, and they're taking the plaster out, and they mm-hmm. you'd hear bang, 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 bang. Like that, because they're like they're actually eating and digging away at the wall. Yeah, hammer nails and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're probably making a wonderful little pad inside our wall. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's we were hearing banging like that, and it was the squirrels. Cause they, you could also hear them run across the board, mm-hmm. out to the roof, grab whatever they would come, then come back, all night long. That's bizarre. Well, you never know what these things are. You when I lived in right. Connecticut, I was had a place full of ground squirrels. Right. Every house in Connecticut has ground squirrels in it, I think. So. <laughs> Again, who knows? Yeah, the knocking could be a million different things. It could That's be true. it could be pipes. It could be, you know, uh, anything. I refrigerate a knock sometimes. I'm like, yeah. what is that noise? And it's, it's a brand new refrigerator. You hear it go ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. What do you think, Ben? Uh, refrigerators. That's what I'm thinking about, actually. Well, everything in our house explodes. Yeah. <laughs> before it's, and it's never replaced until it explodes. That includes a refrigerator or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> You never know what's going to fly out of it. Anyway, um, I, I think, too, in, in the matter of these um, of communication, do you ever run into something that, that doesn't speak English? Um, yes, we did. Yeah. Well, I'll the tell you why I asked. One. Yeah. And then at the West House, there was one that said um, uh, it had a weird German name. And we were like, what does that? We were thinking the West House was settled by Irish um, people. There was a funeral home. And we couldn't, Grelsch, that was it. We, no one could understand what Grelsch meant. We were looking up Irish. We were looking mm. up every single Welsh, anything. Grelsch, actually, uh, there was a crash in the, when it was a farm. And it was after World War II. They were taking two German doctors here in the plane crash. And one of them was named Grelsch. Really? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Well, I happened to mention a case last time I've never written about. I've never mentioned it on the air before, but it was 1981 in New York State, and I, I made five visits to this place. And they said they, they weren't afraid of it. There was a very benign presence in their attic. And not to belabor what I said last night, but it was it, it came across to me, it was very easy to sort of contact, 
but its its language was a very very strange form of Latin, and I really had to plod through it. And the case endings were were different than what I had been taught, and the words used were very intriguing. Uh, for example, it used in invania. It was trying to find. A, a place, but it used a word that you usually use for trying to find some kind of, of, of ideal or, or some kind of abstract thing. And uh, it, it was, uh, you know, in Vanio, I would have used the word repair, repair, or reperio, uh, but it was a very interesting language experience. Oculus repero. Yeah, well, not quite. Yeah, I was, I was talking to Emma Watson. Um, but in any case, no, this, this was a, 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 it came across like a benign, bear like, non-human creature uh. on some kind of quest. And I said, what the heck is that? You know, cause again, it was, by 81, I pretty much, you know, settled on this multiverse idea and stuff, but, you know, still, you're not prepared for some of the stuff you run into. No. <laughs> but uh, it didn't speak English. And it just, but it, then eventually it just uh, faded away. It was looking oh. for a certain place and, and uh, it, it was passing through, I guess. It didn't mean to bother anybody. Uh, again, very benign, and just hmm. said, you know, like, see you later, and, uh, and I have to go. You know, never seen her from oh. again that I know of. Well, it was like a Porteo when we went nuts. We tried, I wanted to find the real. Where does Porteo come from? And found that it either yeah. Brazil or Portugal, uh-huh. and it has slightly different, varying meanings. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And we're like, you know, because when we looked it up, we're like, you know, that's not English. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is here's here's one, and I did want to get to this because she was kind of to write. It's from Molly Fernandez in Los Angeles, and it's I guess uh, to put it as as the Monty Python crew would put it now for something completely different. <laughs> yes, um, I'm a family history buff, and I'm addicted to your show. Thank you. I'm always fascinated when you mention being related to Henry David Thoreau and H.P. Lovecraft. I hope you don't mind, but if the information on your website did. I did some research on the Eno family. Uh-oh. Do you realize that your name goes all the way back to the book of Genesis and that you and Ben are direct descendants of the Merovingian kings, well, I already knew that, who were supposed to have had the bloodline of Christ? Anyway, my question today is more specific. With your deep New England roots, are you descended from any of the Salem witches? Well, from the Jesus Christ and the Salem witches, all right. Okay, well, thank you, Molly. One of the more interesting uh, ones we've received lately. Um, actually, um, I, I don't know about... I, I, this This does amaze people when I tell them this. I grew up... Most kids have bedtime stories from, from their parents, you know, Peter Rabbit or something. I got the Knights Templar and, and a lot of weird stories out of France that had come down in our family. It must have been for at least a thousand years. Because the family supposedly was founded by some knight named Heno who married this weird shapeshifter, and it's, it's a long story. Anyway, not saying I believe all of it, but it does explain some of my relatives. In any case, this this the book of Genesis thing, I think she's referring to the name Enoch, and that's an old Hebrew name. I think it's a coincidence. But anyway, to answer the witch question, we are related to the Putnam family who did the accusing, some of them, and one of the afflicted children. But there were more witches killed... Uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, than there were in Salem. A lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And it went on about 30 years before, and the, a lot of them during the 1660s. Now, they were in the middle of the French and Indian Wars at the time. you think they would have had better things to worry about. But they were hanging... No. Um, and two of our ancestors, direct ancestors were hung. Uh, Mary Barnes 
and uh, Nicholas Disborough uh, were both, I guess, ninth great grandparents of, of mine, tenth of Ben. And uh, so, yeah, there was uh, there was that. And so, I guess it wasn't the Salem witches, but it was the Hartford witches. Uh, but our cousin uh, Joe Wachtowski is is an author and is is actually working on uh, some uh, works about the witchcraft outbreak in Hartford, which is very little known and should be remembered more because more people died, you know, unjustly than, than did in. Danvers and Sam, you know, not not to uh, negate that experience, but thank you for the very interesting questions. Um, one thing about this bloodline of the alleged bloodline of, of, of Christ, there's at this point in history, unless you had twenty or thirty generations that only had one child, you. Three quarters of the Western world would share that DNA and those bloodlines. Uh, you don't have a, a last remaining descent. That's very rare. So in any case, uh, if we're descended from him, you probably are too. So anyway, uh, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. I have no problem with that, but theologically <laughs> there are issues here. Okay. Yes. <laughs> now, okay, we're coming down to the end of the show here. Uh, interesting conversation. I just wanted to point out we've got... Uh, uh, we mentioned Phil Imbrogna, our good friend, and uh, on Saturday, October 23rd, if you happen to be in the vicinity of Connecticut, uh, Waterbury specifically, he will be at the Silas Bronson Library on Grand Street at 11 a.m. That's a Saturday, and he'll be talking about UFOs, a, a history of sightings in Connecticut and New York. Uh, Phil is a very interesting speaker. Now, uh, I suppose we should um, just wrap up with our announcements here. Uh, next Weekend is our end-of-the-month marathon. It's a killer for us, but a lot of you like it. We'll be having our two-hour special, which will be the fourth in our series on the Rendlesham UFO incidents of 1980. Uh, we have Nick Pope, former um, official of the uh, UFO, UFO desk at the British Ministry of Defense, who will be uh, taking care of that show for us, uh, anchoring the panel. And we will be having a couple of witnesses who were actually there, U.S. Air Force personnel 1980, for these amazing events that are often referred to as Britain's Roswell. Okay, so many thanks to our producer, Craig Pelletier, and we'll see you next Monday, September 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on ON 1240 AM, onworldwide.com. Our guest will be UFO expert and author Peter Robbins, and our subject, UFOs and the Corporate Connection. Okay, and next weekend is our end-of-the-month four-hour marathon. Actually, I already said that. Well, <laughs> I have a marathon closing here. You know, yeah, before, I'm going to break with tradition here. Just very quickly, we didn't give you a chance to talk about your books. Oh. Okay. Tom, so just in, in, in 25 words or less, if you could tell. Well, the books are uh, from Haunted Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, uh, Vermont coming out, and uh, Abandoned Villages and Ghost Towns, and our latest book is History of Vampirism in New England, cool. out in October, and uh, that'll be in a few weeks, it's coming out by History Press. The one other thing I wanted to mention, too, is the Grelch EVP. I didn't take that. Someone else did. Oh, okay. Very <laughs> that good. was taken All by right. so, okay. But, but uh, yeah, so um, that's it. Arlene and I have traveled everywhere, and we've had a lot of fun writing them. Very good. Excellent. We'll keep up the great work. And in the uh, meantime, okay, 30 seconds, I'm going to say we're going to leave you with a quote. Actually, Ben's supposed to say it. Well, yeah, okay, so understanding the paranormal is not the problem. It's handling the explanations. Who said that? Uh, well, you, you did. Okay. So. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now. 
for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.